Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by the incomparable, the one, the only, John Berardi. So, before we jump into this week's episode, first and foremost, want to let you know, number 200, my friend. <laughs> you know, and I, I laugh because when I first kickstarted the show again, I kind of thought in my brain, definitely 50 episodes, maybe 100, but like 100 was like my top end. So here we are at 200, and I just can't say thank you enough. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the feedback, you know, for sharing the message, everything that you do to make the show what it is. Man, just thank you. I love and appreciate you. I just can't say it enough. Now, before we jump into this show with John, I want to give you guys a quick recap of the week that was. If you follow me on the gram, you might have seen that the big fella was not feeling well <laughs> last week. Thursday morning, he woke up with about 103, 102, 103 degree fever. So Jess and I split home duty that day and I assaulted my closet. <laughs> if you guys have watched the uh, Marie Kondo Netflix documentary, if you will, or like short mini series. She's like an organization expert, for lack of a better description. So I went in, just revamped my entire closet, literally gave away probably half of my clothes or donated them to various charities. So made a, a what would have been a pretty boring day or a pretty low-key day around the house, very productive. Got that done. My beautiful wife, Jess, back in the workforce. She started a new job today. So that's pretty exciting stuff. And that's on top of the consulting and the work that she's doing at iFast. And then pretty low-key weekend, really. One thing I've been trying to get my kiddos excited about is this final chapter of the Star Wars series coming to a conclusion here in December. And we've seen all of the movies up to this point, but we kind of spread it out over maybe the last year, two years. So what we're doing is watching all of the movies in sequence, starting at episode one. We're going to get all the way up to episode eight before the new one comes out. So they're pretty jazzed about that. They love those movies, and they're kind of at a fun age now where they can follow along a little bit more, and they got a better understanding of what's going on. So that was really last week. As far as the content train, we are rolling. As always, new video up. Just talking about a very simple fix for the landmine press, especially when people set up for half kneeling in the landmine press, I see people really struggle to get the relationship where they want it with their knee, their hip, their shoulder, their hand holding the bar all in the right alignment. A lot of times they're either too far underneath it or they're too far back and they're chasing the bar. So if you don't watch the video, I'll make sure I drop a link in the show notes. It's very helpful, even though it may seem a little simplistic. But I think I'm going to actually mix up my videos a little bit going forward. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to commit to a video a day or like a five day a week type deal, but I'm definitely going to change up the video game here for the short term future and just dabble and experiment with a few things. So as I do that, probably going to see a lot of stuff on the gram from me in the very near future. So if you're not following me already, Rob Train Systems, make sure you do it. Make sure you also call me Mike if you ever DM me, because generally if you call me Rob, that's a great way to not, not get a response. So new video up, tons of podcasts recorded last week. Very excited about the upcoming shows. Another thing that's been kind of fun, I've gotten a ton of podcast requests 
where the tables are turned and I'm on different people's podcasts. So a mentee of mine in the past, Joseph Hawthorne, I was on his show last week. I'm on Robbie Bork's show tomorrow. Casey Zavaleta, who was a previous podcast E, if you will. Uh, She was on the show before. I'm going on her show this week. So lots of shows that I'm going to be featured on. So I will make sure I put that in the newsletter and various other places so you can check those out if you want to hear me talk about life, training, and random hobbies that I've picked up over the years. And then, you know, this week got random, complete coach certification stuff. I mean, believe it or not, March 2020 isn't that far off. So there are things I want to get done, things I'm going to do to improve the course content before that happens. And so working on that, working on a lot of back-end operation stuff at IFAST to try and smooth out all of our policies and procedures. I know I talked about it before on the show, but one thing I want to do is just make all of our paperwork very simplistic. So when somebody comes into our gym, it's very clear the expectations we have of ourselves and the expectations we have of them. So I'm rolling out all of that this week screen captures to explain the paperwork. So kind of excited about that. Maybe it's just me. I'm nerding out, but excited to get that out there and hopefully just streamline all of our processes when somebody comes into our gym. So yeah, lots going on. And before we jump into this show, I don't know if it's really a a deep thought, but I did this around episode 50 or 100 and I'm going to do it again. You know, I really thought 50 was a good like benchmark and I thought 100 would probably be it. And I just kept telling myself like what am I going to do from 100 on? Like I don't want this to just become another podcast. I don't want it to become boring. I don't want it to become redundant. So I always have been looking for this blend of seasoned vets, people that I've had on the show. Like Bill's been on twice. We'll get him on a third definitely. Eric's been on three times. Lee Taft's been on three times. Joel's been on three times, potentially coming up on a fourth here soon. So we've got those seasoned vets and the people that have been on numerous times. And then we've got people that, you know, just I'm constantly digging in and finding new people. And, you know, some of the great people that have been on the show have referred me to other people. So it's allowed me to widen that network. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm still pretty enthused about the show. So I'm going to do it right here, right now. I'm re-upping 50 more shows. So basically through October of 2020, you can count on the Physical Prep Podcast being in your iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever medium you use, it's going to be there for you every week for about the next 50 weeks. Because right now I'm enjoying it. The numbers are steady, if not climbing. I'm getting great feedback still to this day. So man, if you are enjoying it, and if you like the content, and if you continue to benefit from it, then I'm going to continue to do it. I'm not going to stop it just because I'm bored with it or just because maybe it's uh, another thing that I have to do, right? Like, I'm enjoying it. It seems like you're enjoying it. So here we are, man, 50 more shows. And along the way, if there's stuff you want to hear, if there's coaches, nutritionists, physical therapists, dietitians, massage therapists, speed coaches, track coaches, basketball coaches, if there's somebody you want to learn from on this show and you feel like they'd be a good fit, by all means, reach out to me. Let me know. And if I think they're a good fit and we can make our schedules work, I would love to have them on the show because I said, I love it. I love interacting with people. I love widening the network or digging deeper with some of these people that have been on the show. I mean, look, about once a year, once every other year, I get to sit down and talk to Stu McGill for an hour, hour and a half. Like, that's amazing. 
You know, I can't imagine what that dude charges for an hour of his time if you're doing a consult. And I get to talk to him for free on the podcast and you get to listen in just like two old friends hanging out over a beer or an adult beverage if that's what you're into. So again, 50 shows. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome show with my boy, John Berardi. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results and the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. If you're interested in learning more, my next cert will launch in March of 2020, and if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insider's list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. John Berardi is a Canadian-American entrepreneur, best known as the co-founder of Precision Nutrition, the world's largest nutrition coaching, education, and software company. He's also the founder of Changemaker Academy, devoted to helping would-be changemakers turn their passion for health and fitness into a powerful purpose and a wildly successful career. Over the last 15 years, he's advised Apple, Equinox, Nike, and Titleist, as well as the San Antonio Spurs, Carolina Panthers, U.S. Open champ Sloan Stevens, and two-division UFC champ George St. Pierre. He currently lives in Ontario, Canada with his wife and four children, although they tend to escape the cold Canadian winters by spending January to April in warmer places. Now, the formal bio is nice, but personally, I owe a ton to JB. Way back in 2003, Jess and I attended a nutrition conference in Chicago, and it just so happened this guy named Berardi was doing a a talk. And I decided, look, this is somebody I want to meet. I followed his stuff on T Nation. So I go early to his session. He was very friendly, very affable, chats, chats with us for at least 15 to 20 minutes before he goes on and lectures. And at the end of that, he said that if I ever wanted to write for T Nation, he would put in a good word for me. Now, as you know, probably 200 articles later from T Nation. The rest, as they say, is history, and I owe a lot of that to JB. In this show, John and I talk about how being a sickly preemie led him to the worlds of training and nutrition, the story of precision nutrition, and the struggles he endured along the way, and why the Changemaker book and academy are so important to him. This is an incredibly open and honest interview with John, and I know you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. 
JV man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Super excited to uh, finally get you on. It only took me 200 episodes to make it happen, but <laughs> could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? People don't know about me already. I have well, to do this. <laughs> I know, but you know, for the people that have lived under a rock for the last 20 to 25 years. Or in all fairness, are young, right? Like, yeah, that's true uh, too. It's, it sort of started to dawn on me. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you, uh, I don't know, are like driving by a high school and you don't feel that much older than the kids. And yes. then one of them looks at you like you're a super old man and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I am that was a long man. time ago since I went to school here. <laughs> and so I, the same thing happens in the field all the time. I'm like, oh, that's right. You would have no reason to know who I am because you're 22 and that's okay. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, the backstory is many, many moons ago, I started a company called Precision Nutrition and we were really the first ever sort of online group nutrition and lifestyle coaching program. I mean, now they're a dime a dozen, right? But right. back then there was nothing. And so we had a lot of success with that to date, have coached over 200,000 clients, have published all kinds of research, you know, I, I think are sort of leading the conversation around not only how, you know, you can talk about nutrition and, and lifestyle to affect change in people's lives, but the actual concept of change as a thing as well, you know, rather than just food, exercise, sleep hours, stress management, but it's how do we like walk people from where they are today to improvements in all those areas. So change psychology became a big part of that. And, and I think we've sort of led the field there for a lot of years. And then, you know, as, as that grew, a lot of professionals were like, hey, how do we do what you do? You know, right. so we launched a nutrition certification before it was popular to have nutrition certifications. Yes. You know, when the first one came out, every personal training organization put out position statements saying, don't do these courses because you're not allowed to talk nutrition. Really? And I didn't know it's, that. Uh, it, it, fortunately, I had friends, you know, friends that we probably have in common, guys like Gray Cook and stuff like that, who had just like maybe six years earlier had gone through the same exact thing. Yeah. Right. Like when he started teaching what people used to call physical therapy techniques to right. personal trainers, everyone was outraged and said, oh, don't go, don't go learn this stuff. It's illegal. Right. It's immoral. Right. You know? <laughs> so like when, when you started teaching prehab stuff and you know, I had your videos from back in the day where I was doing my upper body warm ups. Right. You know, there was a time when this was considered really, really bad yeah. for personal trainers to even do what nowadays is like, wait, that's the warm up. Right. You know? Right. This is prehab exercise. Of course, you're going to do this. Right. You know, so so it, I, I was really fortunate. I was like, great. You know, all this stuff's happening. He's like, oh, yeah, that all happened to me. It's going to go away. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so it was really good to have him sort of just a couple of years ahead. And then the PN certification exploded. And today we've had over 100,000 students go through that program. And then a few years back, we, we decided to connect the two. So we had this big group of certified professionals and we had this coaching software and coaching platform that we were using. And then we put the two together. So okay. it's called Pro Coach, and we made that available for all of our certified pros. And that just made things go crazy. I mean, with thousands and thousands of professionals using our curriculum and software, you know, our message and our ability to affect change just went into the stratosphere. You know, it took Absolutely. us 10 years to get to, you know, 200,000 clients. And then one year, 
for our coaches to reach another 200,000. Wow. You know? That's impressive, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, and then that sort of takes us up to today where, you know, in, in 2017, you know, Phil who Caravaggio, who's the co-founder of PN and I were starting to feel a particular pressure that I think different businesses feel at different times in their growth. But PN was just growing so quickly that like if, if something were to go wrong and nothing was going wrong, but if, if something were Phil and I could sell everything we both had and still not cover one month's payroll. Wow. You know, it's just like yeah. we're not rich enough, you know, <laughs> to support a company of this size. And that's when we, you know, at the same time, the market was really hot for companies acquiring other companies. And so we just kind of, you know, we're lucky enough to find a great financial partner to purchase most of our ownership of the company. So nowadays, I, you know, Phil and I only own about 10% of the company. There's other owners. There's a full leadership team in place. Wow. Um, and so I sort of moved on to some other projects, but right. PN continues to grow and do wonderful work. And so thing, things are really great there. And now it has the financial wherewithal. The company that now owns it is worth $5 billion. So, you know, if there's a bad month, it's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah, they'll be able to cover it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back even before PN and before all that. What got you into just the world of physical preparation? What got you excited about nutrition early on? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was sort of the opposite of the, like I was into athletic story. For me, I, I was into no athletics. I was born preemie and I was always very small, very introverted and sick. Like I had really bad allergies. I had to go for like weekly, weekly allergy shots to an allergist, hmm. asthma. And my immigrant parents were just like, <laughs> you're going to die playing soccer. <laughs> so no, no soccer, no track, no food, nothing. Right. Right. So I was, I was, and I was introverted and kind of fit. So I just read books, you know, but then when I got to high school, I realized, Oh, like the, the guys who were played sports and worked out, like talked to a lot more girls than me. So, um, I, I should, I should investigate this. And so I just started reading, you know, doing what I was now trained to do, sit at home and read. And I, I started, oh, wait, you can actually maybe control your allergy symptoms. And, and with smart training, you can avoid some of these asthma problems. And wow. So, then, you know, late high school, I really got into training as a means to heal myself, if you want to say. Right. And then that then, then it just, you know, like for a lot of people, it just caught on and, and I got bit by the bug and I wanted to build muscles and I wanted to be strong and I wanted to compete in bodybuilding. And then I started reading all the magazines and I had a like a, a wall of like homage to all the like <laughs> Lee Haney and all yeah. these guys. And you remember when like the Ben Johnson photo came out from, you know, the 100 meter in the in the Olympics and it was this image of him like maybe 10 meters into the race with just this giant cannonball deltoid. Yes. yes. And, uh, and that was on my wall too. And I was yeah. just like, oh, this is amazing. I want to be muscular. So <laughs> that, that really was what triggered it for me. And then even every everything in school after that was just, you know, an amplification of this. I, I, I always joke like, you know, I did a lot of school. Went, got a master's, PhD, a couple undergrads. And everything was like, how do I twist what I'm learning, which is not meant for my purposes, you know, right. into, right. you know, muscle growth, high performance. It, and, and it was mostly for me, 
like I was terrible at female physiology because I just stopped paying attention. I'm not going to build muscles knowing anything about this. Later, I had to go back and learn it again, oh you know, gosh. because I, I uh, wasn't that interested at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So you're this young strapping guy interested in bodybuilding. Walk me through from your, you know, you're in college and you're working towards these degrees to fill in that, that gap from college into starting PN. Like, what did your career path look like during that time? Yeah, I mean, so like I was, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it felt, it feels seamless really because I, I always say like when I coach people in business and entrepreneurship and things like that or career, and one of the things that I really look to is like, how do you ride the horses in the direction they're already going? Mm. You know, for me, like, I, I muscle media 2000 was the big magazine when yeah. I was really, you know, Absolutely. getting into this. I, I was a young guy. So like none of my articles would ever be published in muscle media, but I was writing articles for muscle media 2000 just in my, you know, uh, at my desk, you know, my parents' house, just preparing for like some unknown future. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to do this. Like, so I was taking what I was learning in the gym and what I was learning from others and writing it down and writing articles, you know. And so that was like my early practice when no one was looking. Right. Yeah. And then when I got to be a master's student, I started doing research on sports supplements and nutrition and, and exercise. You know, you remember when Andro was legal. Oh, yeah. Um, and we did some of the first studies on Andro and acute testosterone increases and acute you know, effects on performance. And then by the time I got to my PhD work, you know, this research that I was doing, and then I had started to submit some articles places, you know, right. and I got, a, I got one accepted, like at T Nation, my first article was a review of the ACSM annual conference yeah. uh, from the year 2000, so 20 wow. years ago. Yeah. Um, and so I was still a master's student then. So I submitted that. They were like, this is pretty good. We'll run it, you know? Right. And I was like, woohoo, I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> and then it started to take off from there because I started writing for T Nation more regularly. And also through contacts at my university, I was invited to talk to different groups of athletes and then start doing consulting with some elite athletes that, you know, I did my PhD in Canada. And, you know, by, you know, two years in, I was being brought out to Calgary where about, you know, 15 of the national winter sport teams train. Oh, wow. And I was working with a whole bunch of those teams, you know, doing everything from like, you know, physiological testing and recovery management to nutrition and sort of how you dovetail food and supplements with, you know, performance and recovery. Sure. So the, there's just always been this passion for, for me to like dig into the research see what it's saying, go, all right, no one's going to understand what this is saying. <laughs> uh, turn it into something that could be used in a functional applied way and then go teach that. Now, it, it ended up being a detri detriment to me at, at, one, at one point, which I can talk about in a minute, yeah. but, but it, it got me a lot of attention. It put me in a lot of interesting places and it, it's really what sort of kicked off the early stages of precision nutrition, where just literally everything I was learning, I was sharing. Right. And, you know, we were fortunate because no one had a website when I started the original website. There were no expert websites. Right. You know, nowadays, you know, you see the email signature of all your peers and there's yes. like, 
you know, there are 18 social media handles, there are 22 websites. Yeah. You know, back then there were no expert websites because it was dialogue, man. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Uh, so I, I fortunately, when I met Phil, he did websites, you know, web and user interfaces for a living. So he was like, dude, we need to build you a website and get these ideas out. And I was like, that'll never work, man. Like it takes forever <laughs> to load a single web page, you right. know? Um, I, I, I was on a podcast the other day and a guy was like, well, let me put this into perspective. If I wanted to look at a dirty picture on the internet back then, I had to call up the URL in the morning before I went to school <laughs> and then it would be loaded by the time I got home. <laughs> That's crazy. So people who've always had high speed, this right. is what you're dealing with, right? Right. So we just started publishing this stuff and there was no competition and people were interested and I was really passionate about it and, and that got us our original traffic and then that got us to the point where, you know, we had some global recognition and then people said, hey, we want you to coach us, you know? Yeah. I love it, man. So when I was sitting down to craft your questions, you know, I kept mulling over like, what, what direction do I want to take the show? And I told you before we came on, I just feel like just talking X's and O's of nutrition, like it's a waste of our time. And not to say that you're not brilliant at that stuff, but if somebody wants to find that, like search the Google machine and you'll get yeah. the answers, right? So what yeah, I love- I mean, we've pretty much written everything, you yeah. know, like you want to know about, you know, energy balance, you want to know about low carb, you want to know about, you know, detoxes, you want to know about, uh, we have free courses and articles, right. you know, so yeah, people can p call that up and, and learn way better than, than in this format, that material, you know? Absolutely. So, you know, like, I just want to start with your time at T Nation was obviously hugely beneficial. And I think yes. we can all say that you CT, myself, Eric, like that really helped thrust us into the limelight. Mm -hmm. But what I'm interested in is as you progress, you started PN. What was your original goal when you started PN? Yeah. I mean, was it always world domination? Like right from day one, you knew you were going to take over the world or was it like a little bit more modest yeah. going in? Yeah, I was tenting my fingers and uh, <laughs> petting my hairless cat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, uh, you said T Nation and, and yes, I mean, I, those uh, those folks, you know, Tim and TC and Chris, I owe a tremendous debt of gratitude. And in fact, with my new book that just launched, I was really pleased to be able to send them a copy. Yeah. And I, I wrote them handwritten notes, like with deep thanks for the help they gave me early on. And not just the exposure, but the advice, you know, yeah. like t Tim Patterson used to be really famous because he was on Colorado time. And I was on East Coast time. He would call you at like one in the morning. You know, <laughs> yes. I didn't have thanks. I didn't have a family then, and I would always be like, "Oh, Tim's calling. I gotta answer it." You know, yes. I used to have like anxiety and stress about it. And he would talk <laughs> for like two hours, and there was like just so many nuggets of of important wisdom that I gleaned over the years in that. So it was just really like a full circle moment for me to say, "Hey, you gave me my first break twenty years ago. Holy yeah. moly!" Like, thank you. You know, it's it's it was really impactful. And in fact, sure. a bunch of the lessons in the book are only possible because of what you taught me way back when. Yep. So, you know, big props to those guys. And again, people don't know what it was like back then. There was literally no other source no. on the Web. You no. know, they started in like 1998. Yep. You know, Sounds about right. Two writers, TC, Tim and the late Charles Poliquin. You yeah. know, those that they, yeah. they started writing, you know, the content that then became this 
global sort of juggernaut of, of training and nutrition and supplement information. And nowadays, you know, I think sometimes it feels a bit diluted because of all the places that now yep. provide this kind of info. But this was this was the place, man. If anyone was anyone ended up here, you know. Right. But yeah, I mean, from there, you know, the like I, I, I come from an immigrant family, man, with like I never had big goals, mm-hmm. you know. I, I wouldn't have dared to dream about the things that I've accomplished and, you know, that are in my life right now. So it was just, I don't know, I just have this philosophy on pretty much everything. I remember it was actually when I was like 19, I got exposed to guys like Tony Robbins and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the thinking at the time was like, make your five-year plan, your 10-year plan. And something never resonated with me about that. And now I've, in retrospect, I've come to learn what it is. This might be a great plan for others, but for me, I get so focused, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, Mm -hmm. I get so focused if I make a plan that if I would have had these plans along the way, like, first of all, how do you know what you're going to want to need in five years? Right. Right. Yep. You're probably too inexperienced and immature to know. And so then you're focusing on this thing that like you have no business having such like, you know, such commitment to. Right. And so for me, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to go forward just little tests, you know, like, Hey, let's try this. Is it fun? Is it working? Does it resonate with my values? If no, okay, then we need to change something. If yes, do a little bit more of that. And I think of it kind of like dating in that way, you know, like you would never, well, reasonable person would never approach dating like, uh, well, I met this girl today, stumbled upon her in the coffee shop. You know, I think we should start planning the wedding, you know, and <laughs> right. children, right? You go, you just go, hell, we had like, we bumped into each other at a coffee shop and it, it was, we talked for two minutes. It was nice. Maybe we, maybe we'll have another conversation. Right. And like a meetup in a public place to have a short, longer, slightly longer conversation. Right. And then maybe one step after that is, oh, maybe we'll go to a place together for a couple of hours and then right. hang out, see if that's good. Is it good? If yes, then maybe a little bit more. If no, right. then maybe, if I'm not sure, maybe we'll just keep it on this level. Right. You know? And I just like that's, you know, how a lot of things ought to be pursued. And that's kind of how my career was pursued. It was just, you know, I, I got, a, I applied and got accepted to med school, but at the very, thankfully at the last minute, I was like, I don't think I'm going to like that. Here's what I like exercise science. And people are like, you're dumb. You're not going to go to med school <laughs> and you're going to go do a master's in exercise science. That's great. I heard the exercise science factories hiring a lot of people next year, right. you know? Right. But it was just, it, it just felt really good, yeah. you know, and it was like, okay, uh, okay, can I bring a high, high level of commitment and excellence to it? And if so, it, it's probably going to work out. And so that was kind of the approach, never this big thing by any means. It was just a little, can I just do an excellent job at this thing that I'm really, I, I really enjoy, you know? And how do I do it in my way was the other layered on criteria, you know? I mentioned Charles, guys like Paul Check. They were the folks that were just a little bit ahead of us. Yep. They were on the road all the time, man. Yes. And I didn't have it in me to do that. So I was like, oh, okay, I want to be what they are in terms of sort of leaders in the field. But I can't do it that way. Right. There's no way, right? Like, uh, And I saw lots of others sort of with families estranged from their families, you know, because they're gone all the time. 
And I was just like, that. I, I don't have a family yet, but I'm pretty sure I don't want that when I do. So how do I craft a career that allows me to have that reach and you know, authority and leadership yeah. position on my terms? And my terms are pretty much, you see this chair I'm sitting in, <laughs> can I do it from this chair? Right, you know? right. And thankfully, the internet came right at the right time. We are no longer on dial-up. Right. So uh, I'm like, not only is this like a poor facsimile of the being on the road thing, it actually gives you a chance to do it better. Absolutely. You know? Now, you know, Precision Nutrition's newsletter has a million people on it. You know, when, you know, a couple of years ago when I was writing copy and doing the emails, I can read, it was like 800,000 then. I could, from my chair, reach 800,000. Yeah. How many plane trips would it take to do that, you know? Right. You wouldn't do that in your whole life of flying around talking to 100 people in Sydney and then 100 people in London and then 100 people in you know Oklahoma wherever you're right. going to go so, so that was really it and that's kind of the stuff I'm so excited to teach others now you know I'm like I just see people railroading into the same paths yes uh, like I'm passionate about health and fitness you know so I'm going to go be a coach and I'm going to copy what other people are doing and I'm like oh what a mistake like what a lost opportunity right like you are unique with your own unique abilities and values and purpose. How do we harness that? Like the world doesn't need another one of me. Right. It needs you. Right. You know, and that's really what I'm kind of very excited about now. How can I show people this wasn't like just a fluke? I, I luckily ended up defining a purpose using my unique abilities, like the writing thing, right? Right. People are like, what are you doing? You're writing articles and <laughs> for a magazine that's never going to talk to you, you know? And it was like, no, oh, but this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. You yeah. know, this is, and recently, uh, someone who I, I coach was like, okay, I need to learn how to build a content machine like PN, you know, like, I, can you teach me the steps? And I'm like, I can, but I'm looking at your company and, and he's got a great company. I'm looking at your company. There's not a single person on your team who writes articles for fun like long form right. content like that. Like there's not one. There's not, like you don't understand. This, is, this could be considered a disease what I was up to. <laughs> you know right. I, mean? right. I was doing it without any other reason to do it than just because I was going to do it, you know? Right. So we need to find that for you. And for them, they're great on microphones and on video. So I'm like, the question is how do you create, you know, audio and video content at that PN level, yeah. not how do you duplicate what PN did? Cause you'll never be able to, right. There's no one, no one around your environment who wants to do that more than anything else in the world. I love it. I love it. So this actually leads me to my next point. And you know, as well as I do the the world is different right now, right? In this day and age of social media, we're forced, well, not forced, but if you're on your phone, more than once a day, you're constantly looking at other people's highlight reels, right? Mm -hmm. Which is one reason that in this show or in, you know, articles in my content, I always try and give a, a little dose of reality. A lot of times mm. I'll lead with, this is a mistake that I made. This is what I learned from it. It's not, oh, look, I'm awesome. Listen to me because I'm awesome, you know? Mm -hmm. So when people look at you, you've obviously been wildly successful in your career. So I'm sure people would love to know, what did you struggle with along the way mm -hmm. or what obstacles did you have to overcome to get to where you're at now? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to share some of those, but I really like the first point, the highlight reel kind of mistake, you know, that, and I think we all know that with respect to social and it's yes. just a daily practice to like wash ourselves clean of that. Like <laughs> yes. the idea is, uh, this is a lot of things in life like this. You're like, okay, I know intellectually that I'm watching someone else's highlight reel. Right. But that doesn't make you feel any less bad. Yes. Unless you do the daily cleansing activity. You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? Like yeah. you keep recentering on, oh, wait, this is what it is. You know, like your teeth get dirty. They have to be brushed the next day. You know, right. they you, just because you know about brushing doesn't mean they're clean, you know. Right. Um, but I think the same is true for businesses, too. Like we, we often just think this is like a personal thing. You're like, oh, there's that person posing by a private jet. Uh, right. You know, but I. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in business as well. Mm. You know, when, when we went through the PN transaction, you know, working with private equity companies, I get to see the books on a lot, a lot, a lot of companies that you would never see the financials for otherwise. And there's a lot of companies you'd think are crushing that are not, really? you know, they're a few days away from being gone and vice versa. Some companies you never even heard of. You'd be like, what, what they're in our space. And they're absolutely destroying. Hmm. So I think it's there's a lot of um, confusion yeah. around who's doing well, what well means, yeah. you know what I mean, and that kind of stuff. And so it just reminds me, like, the highlight reel is in every domain, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's in the businesses you compare yours to, and it's in the personal lives that you compare yours to. But to, to actually answer your question, you know, there's, there's a few moments. I mean, the one that I really was honestly the darkest in my last decade and and also the most instructive it it actually is responsible for a whole chapter of my new book but you know i had always had this belief that you know founders of of a company end up you know as the company grows sort of we'll call it floating on top of the company right Right. so you're a founder you're in it and you do everything but then you start hiring people now you're a manager of people And then you start hiring the leaders or managers of those people, you know, and then you become the leader of the organization. And then the the end game is see something. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. that was what was happening. And, you know, we were fortunate, all the things lined up and it was growing and it was going great. And so like, you know, when I looked at the team and our, our work and uh, our bank account, everything, I should have been smiling, you know, and happy. Right. But I was just sad all the time, man. And, I was realizing that I didn't want to be a see something else. You know, yeah. I really, really liked writing content, doing marketing and research. You know, <laughs> these, these were fun for me. I didn't want to stop right. doing them just because we were successful at doing them. It's like the weird irony. It's like, yes. this is going great. You need to stop, you know? Yeah, um, I know. And I love that stuff. And, and I, then I just kept like, instead of doing what I eventually did, I just kept reading more. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, more books on leadership. You know what I mean? I got to figure out how to do this other thing that I suck at, I don't like doing, and that makes me sad because I'm not doing the things I want to. And it got to the point where I had these books all over my, like, you know, those marble cover notebooks, black and white. I got these all over my office here for different purposes. I have a book from back then which on a page I wrote like the ways to get out of PM. Mm. Like, the, you know, the top one was like sell my shares, you know. Right. Uh, then it was like just give them the fill, you know. <laughs> and then just going down the list. And the, the last one was end my life. You know, I was like oh drive gosh. off a bridge so the kids get insurance money. I mean, we had just had our third child. So I was probably sleep deprived and yeah. you know, uh, 
home was, you know, stressful and different. Right. And, and then that layered on top of this was just like, man, I just feel like if I've gotten all the things that everyone else seems to want. Yeah. Yet I, I'm sad all the time. What's the point? Right. You know? Right. And so fortunately, you know, what I, I called Phil and I told him, like, I've been really struggling with this and, you know, I haven't said anything or whatever. And he drove out to my place. We had a real candid conversation. And he was like, JB, listen, man, I can't get anyone else to do what you do best. I can hire a CEO. I can't hire someone like you to do these other things. Right. Let's get you deep into those again. And then let's hire some leadership. You know, you don't right. have to do that. Just let set it down, you know. Right. And so then we kicked off a process, which I, again, teach in the book, which is this process of explicitly identifying your purpose, figuring out how your unique abilities can be in service of that purpose, and then defining your values as a set of guardrails around right. both. You know, and, and I, I went through these exercises and we, we then sort of gave them to all the team. And the idea was, you know, how do we find what each person's unique purpose is? You know, like people say help people or whatever. It's too generic, right? You right. can help people as a nurse or a paramedic or as a barista serving coffee, you know? Right. Like if you want to help people in this field, who, how? How will you know it's working, right? Like, let's get super, super specific. So that's what I had to do, you know, and then I came up with a purpose statement, which sits in my office to this day. You know, then it was unique abilities, which is what are you or do you have the potential to be world class at? Among that or those things, what do you like? Like you could keep doing it forever and just keep growing and finding new nuances to it. And then what has a chance to move the needle? like make a difference on whatever your metrics of meaning are. And so we, we figure what that is so that we can put that in service of your purpose, gotcha. you know, and, and both of them, incidentally, you're not going to figure out on your own. Mm-hmm. It requires like 10 people close to you, colleagues, friends, family members to answer a bunch of questions because usually our unique abilities are the things that we take for granted. We do for free. Right. Um, uh, we take for granted because they're, they're just what we do, you know? Right. And then you hear from other people, oh, this is what makes you so special. And then someone else says that and someone else in a different context, and you're like, oh, maybe this is what I should be doing with my <laughs> life. You know? Right. And then the values part is really identifying the, the ideas that we think make for a good life and then using them to govern both our choices. So we stay away from whatever immoral choices for sure, but also so that we don't work too hard. Because if you're doing purpose-driven unique ability work, sometimes dangerous, your other values fall by the wayside, yeah, you know? Sure. So, so that period in my life really triggered this full deep exploration of these things. And then again, all, all of these things sit in my office to this day as a reminder, like what we talked about earlier, your teeth get dirty every morning. My thinking gets dirty and unclear every day. Yes. And I need to recenter on my purpose, values, and unique abilities. You know, yeah. I think of them, doing them explicitly and writing them down as like my best self coaching my confused self. Mm, I like you know, that. Like, yeah. I always talk about coaching. And I think coaching is great and important. But there's like a, there's a free coaching you can do right now. It's, you know, have some thinking time each week, even if it's just one hour. And during that time, get clear thinking John, clear thinking Mike right. to make some decisions, right? Like and that. then write them down so that when you're 
chaotic and confused, which you will be more often than you're clear, you can look to coaching from your clear self, you know? And so that's a big part of it. And again, it all, it all stemmed from me not doing purpose, unique ability and values driven work, but letting what I perceived the world was telling me to be, Mm -hmm. um, dictate what to be, but it really wasn't the world's fault at all. It was just me. I was just trying to copy other people, you know, and that's, and that's the danger of not doing this work. You look around, you see it. Yeah. People just copy yep. what other people are doing. And it's sad. You know, like yeah. we don't need more copies of the same thing. No, you know? we need you doing whatever it is that you do best. Right. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if Eric Cressy just did whatever somebody told him he was supposed to do? Versus- oh, yeah. Like, like, yeah, let's. Yeah. We talked about Charles a couple of times. Let's say Eric decided he was going to help people have big arms. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Just arm growth. And one day arm cure 2020 version, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you've obviously mentioned the book a little bit. It's called Change Maker. Yeah. What is the book all about? And just so we're all on the same page, how would you describe what is a change maker? Yeah, well, I, you know, change maker really stemmed from my, my own purpose, mm-hmm. which is I have this written down, like when I help people do purpose statements, they begin with when I die or retire, dot, 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 you know? So for me, it's when I die or retire, I want to know that coaches in the health and fitness industry see their clients differently. I want to know that my work helped put this forward, you know, Uh, two, that it helped them see themselves differently. And three, that through this new sort of optics and paradigm, the field gets to grow up, you know, because it's young and it's fine. But, you know, I often say like, you can't be upset at a two or three year old because they can't run a Ninja Warrior course. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh God, I got to get out of this. I got to get this kid out of here and get a good three year old. Right. right. You just don't know. It's young, but with nurturing and care and yeah. coaching and support, maybe one day. And I think that's how the industry now is. But you don't make an industry better without making the individuals in it better. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so, Change Maker is the new conceptualization of what we do. Are you a personal trainer? Are you a nutritionist? Whatever. No, we're change makers. We're put here to have an impact on the lives of the people that we touch, whether that's through directly coaching them, whether that's through a podcast, whether that's through writing, whether that's through apps. It, you know, There's all kinds of pathways to affecting change, but I think people working in health and fitness, this is who you are, this is what you do, and this is your call, right? right. And so... For me, the book was about, okay, I've been in this field 30 years. I've learned a lot of stuff. I'm also a parent of four children, you know? And I've, I don't know, as I've gotten older, I've started to see the way we sort of segregate knowledge and fetishize it is problematic. Like parenting isn't different than coaching, isn't different than leadership. It's all the same skills, you know? So for me, it was like, I learned some stuff parenting. I learned some stuff leading company. I learned some stuff, you know, growing a business. Gosh, I got to teach this, you know? So really it's kind of a legacy project, you know, right around the time I sold my majority ownership in PN, I was like, I want to put down what I, what I think I have authentically learned as a way to help people have a blueprint or a path forward into their own career success, whatever that looks like for them. So, you know, part of the book is what we talked about, you know, this, this sort of unique abilities, purpose and, and values thing in some ways as a way to sort of counter what I think is kind of a trend in our field right now, which is like everyone thinking that 
business means entrepreneurship. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like everyone did their nutrition course and they did their strength and conditioning course and they did their movement course. And now they're like, okay, cool. The next thing is I got to figure out business. And then they just go learn entrepreneurship. And I'm like, well, wait a second. That's someone's unique ability. Yes. You know, it may not be yours. So career isn't entrepreneurship. It's figuring out whether entrepreneurship is for you or not, you know? And uh, like, I have, you know, when, when my time at PN was winding up and Phil and I were hiring out all of our operational roles in the company, we were looking for a product leader. So someone who was in charge of software development, you know, and manage those projects. And when we started looking around, I'm like, oh my God, there's this whole set of jobs out there that I didn't even know about. Right. And these candidates who are like passionate about health and fitness, like I am, but they also love technology. And they're making like 500 grand a year right. developing software projects and apps and stuff. I'm like, and now I know there's a guy out there or a girl out there who loves technology and health and fitness, but because they don't know about this, they're going to go waste their life as a coach. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. coaching yeah. is a noble profession. So right. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. But it's not for you if you rather would play like video games and write code. Right. You know, but there's a job for you. That's absolutely change maker work. You know, another example, there was a a woman that I met. It was really interesting. I was at an event. We were at dinner together and she was telling me how she applied like six times to work at Precision Nutrition as a coach and never got the job. She was tearful because she went like we have a pipeline, like you have to be a mentor and then an intern. And then there's a whole bunch of things. You get certifications and then you can apply as a candidate. And I mean, at PN, it's an embarrassment of riches. Like whenever PN puts out a call for coaches, like they get 1500 applications. Right. And so I'm listening to her story and I'm like, well, what did you do before? Well, she was like, project manager for bill gates and so the backstory is like she was crushing it at her job but then she had her first child and signed up for pn coaching to lose her pregnancy weight and get some kind of sense of health restoration because she was just working a ton stressed out gained weight you know then got pregnant so then all of a sudden, you know, using my language from earlier, she's like, oh, my, my purpose isn't what I was doing. My unique abilities are that, though, project management stuff. Right. And my, now my values are fundamentally different. So then, OK, cool. She went to coaching, which is like understandable, but it's a mistake. Right. right. And I was like, at the very end of it all, like we had great conversation. I'm like, I have to tell you something that's not going to make you feel very good. But I'm really proud that you never got the job. It means our hiring criteria is awesome. And our HR team screens well. Like, you look good on paper. You know what I mean? Right. But this would not be a unique ability fit for you. So she ended up getting a job with a company in our field doing project management for the founder, hmm. which now she's using unique abilities toward her purpose in her values. You know, so it's like so good she did get that job. But, you know, again, for me, it's just like, how can I help people step away from this assumption that you either have to be a coach if you want to work in health and fitness or an entrepreneur coach? Yes. You know, there's so much else. And so then that leads to other sections of the book on the idea of, you know, the skills that are required for business, whether you're in business for yourself or working for someone else's business, the education pathways 
that you know you can create your own i i talk about what some people have called the t-shaped curriculum Mm -hmm. which is basically the idea if you imagine a t along the horizontal bar that's all the broad but not very deep skills that you need to be future you right and then the vertical bar is the deep right that's where you like it's where you go get a phd or whatever right and so what i do is i help people in the beginning of their career plot out future them by filling out this T and not only is it like an intellectual exercise, but when you fill this out and you're like, okay, I'm going to need some change psychology skills. I'm going to need a little bit of business or sales or marketing or whatever skills. I'm going to need some public speaking skills. Uh, in addition to, let's say, you know, a deep knowledge of movement or nutrition or whatever you want to focus on next time a seminar comes up and you're just like fear of missing out, you just look at your T and go, yeah. no, no, I don't need to build that now. You know what I mean? Here's the next course I need. I need to be building future me. This is the high probability move, right? What most people are doing is just stumbling along and it's low probability. No wonder four out of 10 people won't be in the field next year. Even though last year they were so passionate about it. So that's, you know, it's really the book is a blueprint for how to define all the things you need to define to set off in the direction of a successful career that's defined on your terms that uses your specialness and that increases the probability of success. Yeah. It's such a great point too. And when you talk about that T idea, I just love that because I feel so many people now are just in this rat race of collecting more certifications and attending more events. And look, I'm all for continuing education, right? I know you are as well. Like that's how you grow, but being a lot more concerted or a a lot more concentrated and specific when you're doing that. Right. So like if you're into nutrition, Like go all in on nutrition. Don't pick up like eight different courses and maybe do like a weekend nutrition Mm -hmm. or nutrition course. Like, hey, man, if you're going to do this, go all in on it and Mm -hmm. and be your best you in the in the process. Right. Yeah. And if you think about it, right, like when I was a student, I was, you know, especially undergrad and masters is making no money. right? Right. This was a time of intense concentration on the development of the deep you know, vertical line of the T, right? But there comes a certain point then where you have to shift and go, okay, great. I'm not a student anymore. Now's the time I have to like make some money. Mm -hmm. And so what skills do I need next? If I keep collecting nutrition knowledge right now, then I won't be able to fund that lifestyle. So it's done. The T's wiped. I'm going to have to go sell insurance, you know? (laughs) So then, you know, and, and it's not always easy, but then we teach like, Now, what we call the tournament bracket model, right, where when it gets hard to choose, not only which course you're going to take next, but the next thing you're going to do in your business or whatever you have to choose, you list all the things in like an NCAA style tournament bracket. doesn't matter who's in what bracket. Right. And you just compete them one against the other until you end up with the one that you have to do now. Prioritization is such a critical skill, whether you as a business owner, it's the only skill. Right. You know, but if you're not a business owner, it's so critical with all the things flying at us nowadays. You know, should I be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and paid marketing and uh, should I put ads out and on the radio or should I paper the town or you know what I mean? Like, right. there's so should I write articles for my site? Should I write articles for someone else? So much, right? How will you ever decide? And you can't do it all. Right. We need to pit them against each other and there's ends up a clear winner and you do that thing now until I, it's done. I you know? That. Yeah. 
And so we do that with education. We do that with opportunity. It's, it's the only way. And, and, you know, in the beginning, you actually need to literally write out an NCAA tournament <laughs> bracket a bunch of times until you build this skill. Eventually, you can do it in your head. But still, some days, my head gets too foggy. And I have to write it down again, you know, and uh, in, in the book, we give people blank tournament brackets and say, here you go, get started, print out 10 of these, I love make it. your next 10 decisions based on it. Love it. All right, my guy, big question time. If you could alter the space time continuum and give young John Berardi one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be? I often say like I, uh, when I look back to my twenties, Let's say my 20s, 20 some years ago. I regret almost everything I said and did. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's kind of a joke, but it's also part of the lesson here, which is I was so certain about things. Yes. You know what I mean? I was just so calm. It's like what people call the Dunning Kruger effect or whatever. Your confidence is so high, like when your skill is low, you know, (laughs) as your skill develops, your confidence gets, you know, titrated to the right dose. Right. Um, and, and I just, I just was so confident about things and myself and my rightness, but I don't sure, I'm not sure I was confident with myself. Like to, today I'm at a very high confidence level right. with my ability to decide and be in the world. And I thought I was confident back then, you know? And so the lesson for me has been, okay, now that I'm 45, I look back at my twenties like that. How do I don't make, how do I not make the same mistake again? Right. Right. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, that kid was an idiot, but this guy fully formed, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And that's the danger, right? We're like, so I I spend a lot of time with people who are in their sixties now and I'm like, what is coming for me? You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. What am I going to learn that's going to make 65 year old me think the same about 45 year old me? And how do I avoid that problem? Right. You know, and so I don't know if this is advice, if it's just like, hey, dude, just r- relax with the being so right about things right. and so bold in your convictions or whatever. There's going to you're going to learn some things, you know, experience yeah. and wisdom are going to come and you're going to look back and be like, mm, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have X, Y and Z, you know, or uh, maybe I shouldn't have done any of the things that I did. <laughs> so really for me now, it's just how do you keep paying that forward to future self? You know, like how do I navigate the world more skillfully and gracefully, you know, accepting the possibility that I don't know everything yet and I still have a lot to learn, but also make decisions and and, uh, conduct a a integrated, fully present life today. Yeah, I love it, man. All right. Last but not least, we're going to do our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your answers can be as short or as long as you'd like. All right. Yes. All right. Number one. Do you have a favorite article that you wrote for T Nation over the years? Yes, I do. I, I think I wrote a couple of these. They were like, I think they were called I Wonder dot oh. dot dot. Okay. I wrote a series of I Wonder articles that were just random musings on various things that I wonder when I'm just driving around in my car, right. having my, I usually take half a day Friday for thinking time. It's blocked out in my calendar. Right doing in the gym, you know, I wonder dot, dot, dot. And then I propose and there's no answers to it. You know, I think I wrote this series in my thirties where I was like, Hey, maybe I don't have to answer every question that's asked of me with a definitive, right. This is what I think, but rather I wonder about these things and what the answers are. And it's still my favorite format 
to this day, sort of a random compilation of thoughts on things. And actually, I hadn't done an article for T Nation in a really long time. But Chris Shugart reached out and asked me if I do a, a piece just very recently. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, cool. You want to know what my favorite format was? I want to do it that way, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So really, it's, this piece is going to come out as that, just me musing on a bunch of things. I love it. I love it. All right. Number two, what's the biggest challenge you have raising four little people? Wow. I would say I have a really huge commitment to being a great dad and, and I have a bunch of practices in place that you know, I think help me with that. When it comes to challenges, I think what, what I'm consistently getting better at this is there's a lot of wills in our house. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. There's six strong willed people. <laughs> yes. And the thing is when little people are strong willed, right? It's like, it's a hard thing to navigate because you're like, I need you to sometimes defer to my authority and expertise right? because right. I know more than you. Right. But this thing that you're practicing right now is going to make you an all-star adult. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. How do we navigate the two, especially when we got different wills all competing at the same time? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when we just had one, I was too much of a bully. You know, and I, and I think lots of adults can be bullies with little right. kids. You're just huge. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, right. No matter what size you are, you're huge compared yeah. to them. Yep. So you want them to do something, you grab them and you do it. Get in your car seat. Right. Right. You know what I mean? It's not child abuse, <laughs> but it's a little bit of classic bullying. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? I'm going to take my size and strength and impose my will upon you, yes. you know? And so... When I realized that that's exactly what it was, I was like, great, how do I navigate this, you know, with not bullying, you know, with leading the horse to water and making it want to drink, you know? And so it was fairly easy with one or two. With four, you're just like, oh, man, I got four horses. They all want different things right now. (laughs) I want something different. My wife, Amanda, wants something different. How do we sync up on that? You know, gently, gracefully, you know, respecting their autonomy and individuality. So that's the biggest challenge. But I also think it's the biggest opportunity because navigated well, I think it builds tremendous skills for later in life and and also the kind of relationships that I want with my family for the rest of my life. I love it, man. All right. Number three, when it's all said and done, and I realize this is a big question, but I'm putting it out there. Mm -hmm. What what legacy do you want to leave behind? in the industry? Is it kind of what you were alluding to before? Yeah. I mean, again, in my 45 year old self or whatever. Yeah. I mean, when I die or retire, I'd love to know that my work and I don't need even credit for it. That's not part of the purpose here. Right. I just like to know that my work kicked off a snowball rolling downhill where the coaches see themselves differently, yeah. where they see their clients differently and where, you know, there's been some maturation of the industry. You know, and again, it's not, I'm not upset with its immaturity. It's just young, you know, but young people grow up and the ones that do well are the ones that get the right kind of, you know, fertile soil to grow in and the right kind of nutrients and the right amount of sunshine, you know? And that's, uh, that's what I hope to be part of providing. You know, I, I, we didn't talk about it, but my origin story in health and fitness was I was just on a really bad path as a young guy drunk and high all the time and things were not going well. Right. And someone kind of picked me out of the muck, a health and fitness person. And 
you know, taught me how to work out and taught me how to take care of my mind. And so really that's why I'm in the field. It's just, holy crap, that person saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, you know? Right. And so that's why I think my purpose is here. It's a good enough reason for me. You know, I'm sure I could have been successful in other domains, sure. uh, but this is, this is my space. And so that's what I feel like my legacy ought, ought to be. That's what I'd love it to be. What, whether that means anyone remembers me for it or not is, is quite irrelevant. I've come to terms with that over recent years. And I, right. I don't know if you feel this way too, but you know, everyone used to know Mike Robertson, right? You know? right. Like when you're writing for stuff and, and now you're making an impact in your way. Right. But right. like, do as many people know who you are now? Are you as famous? Right. And as you get older, it's just going to diminish. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So how do we let go of that? Just gracefully and go, Hey, that's okay. You know what I mean? Right. The, the new people don't have to know who I am. I'm totally fine with that. And I feel like sometimes the notion of legacy foists upon you the idea that you have to be well, well known. Yeah, for you know? sure. And so really I've thought a lot about how, you know, how do you actually hold true to wanting to leave something behind? And, and actually this is one of the greatest lessons I ever learned from Tim Patterson. You know, like we were talking about T nation earlier, yep. Tim, Tim told me one time he was like, you know, a lot of these guys out here want credit for the things that they create or innovate or ideas. He was like, one of the things I really enjoy is knowing that I started a movement and no one knows it was me. Yeah. And I was just like, bam, it just shifted my whole paradigm. I'm like, oh, not only is that just acceptable, it's what you want. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I get it. Right. You know, and so that stuck with me all, all this time. I love it. I love it. Just to interject really quick to show you that I'm already forgotten. Uh, I was <laughs> I, I was covering the night in IFAST last week and these two girls were chatting up front. And, you know, the the scheduling software says Mike is on the schedule. And so these two girls are talking and one of our, our longtime clients is listening to this conversation. They're like 13 years old and they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know who's coaching the class. They're like some guy named Mike. I'm like, <laughs> I started the gym. So you may, and then I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's where we're at, you know? So that means oh, yeah. the guy that's running that class is doing such a good job. They don't care who owns the gym. They just yeah, know that right. Eric is their guy. So, all that's right. That's right. This happened to me uh, at the annual PNT meeting last year. So I, last year I grew this big beard. Yeah. Right? It was just this epic beard. Yeah. And so I went to the meeting and, you know, I, I don't go up front. I don't lead the meeting anymore. I just sit quietly at the back and right. be a participant. I don't even yeah. work at the company, you know. And so there uh, are a bunch of people. I don't even know who they are because it's growing. The team's growing so fast. Right. So there were uh, two same young women came up and were chatting with me. And then when I walked away, they lean over to Aaron, who, Weiss trainer, who's been at PN since the beginning. And they're like, who was that guy? And she's like, <laughs> that's John Berardi. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, I guess we should have known that. Right. Oh <laughs> so same, God. right? It's not even in my own company. Already right? forgotten. That's right. All right, man. Last but not least, number four, what's next for John Berardi? What are you excited about? The book? What? What? What, what is... What do we have to look forward to in the future from you? Yeah, so the book. I, I want everyone to get the book, man. And and people who know me know when I sold my ownership of PN, money's not an issue anymore. Right. So it's not about money. It's it's really about sharing this 
thing. This is kind of the legacy piece, right? I'm like, I really think that I learned some things that will be valuable right. and I want to get them to you. You know, the book's like 20 bucks right now on Amazon and it's got 30 years of experience and I spent two years creating it and it's wow. beautiful and I yeah. think it's insightful and I had 15 people tear it to shreds and help me make it better. And so that's what, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped about. I've also started the Changemaker Academy to go along with it which really just helps support all the ideas we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. We want to create meetups all around the world where professionals, change makers can get together. And rather than feeling like they're competition with each other, like in the New York market or the Chicago market or whatever, they can go there to support each other yeah. and a whole host of other things, you know, around the change maker idea. And then quite unrelated to the industry, a bunch of other things like I'm creating some children's books right now. And oh, cool. uh, I have, have a number of sort of architecture and real estate projects that I'm doing. The stuff outside of health and fitness is really great because, you know, we often talk about beginner's mind Mm. and I'm like, I actually have a chance to do it. You know, it's not quite being a beginner because I, I don't know the subject matter, but I have all the skills that I need to do a good job and extract sort of meaning and high quality out of them. So it's been really fun, like entering a bunch of like listening to children's book podcasts as a total beginner yeah. and being like, oh, who are, who are the players and who's doing great work and how, how are they doing it and how do they think about this? It's been a really intriguing challenge for my mind and, and super fun. So just a bunch of different things. And like I said, when I'm 65, who knows, you know, where all of this will take me, you know, right. but it's, but it's a lot of fun. And I don't know if you read Range. So David Epstein's new book. Um, I've not read it yet, but it's on the list. Yeah, it's it, it's it's my it's my favorite nonfiction book of the last decade. Oh um, wow! Okay, I think he's created a new lexicon for understanding how to integrate all these things that a lot of people think are weird about themselves. Like, oh, but I'm interested in this. Like, I'm interested in you know World War II history, and right. I'm a coach in health and fitness. <laughs> right, and isn't that weird? No, 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 no. Epstein argues not at all. How the idea of sort of range. So a broad ranging set of interest and skill development is the only path forward in the future. Um, so it's, it's really something that I've learned to embrace rather than feel guilty. Like, Oh, you're not, you know, someone the other day documentary shamed me on Facebook (laughs) because they're like, well, there's that new game changer documentary, you know, the one produced by James Cameron it's about, you know, plant-based eating. What do you think of it? I was like, no, I'm probably not going to watch it. He's like, it's your job to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) He was so, so, so mad, you know? And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like if I'm going to watch doc, like this is my subject matter expertise. I know the source literature. I don't have to watch James Cameron's freaking documentary. I'll just go read PubMed. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to watch a documentary, it's going to be something that I'm trying to build new range about. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what's next, you know, just continuing to develop this sense of uh, odd and unrelated things that I promise you one day will come back together, even though I don't know how. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, JB, it's been great catching up with you, my guy. Where can my listeners yeah. find out more about you, the book, and all of the myriad things that you have going on in your life? So I want to get them all the book. So what I want to do is I, I put together like a, a free stuff for them. So okay. free sample chapters, free bonus material. So all the exercises we talked about where I have yep. people write stuff down, it's all included. Like every one of them awesome. free. 
free Q&As from the book. So basically all the online materials. So we can put it in the show notes or if folks just want to go to changemakeracademy.com and right on the homepage, you can just put your name in and I send you all the stuff. So that's the first thing I want. Like whether you end up buying the book or not, get some of this stuff and get to work on it because I think it's going to help you be better. And then if you do decide to go on and buy the book, like I said, I mean, it's, it's on every Amazon in the world. <laughs> if you're not in the U.S., if you're in Canada or in any international location, Europe, Africa, Asia, there's a, a retailer called Book Depository and they f- ship free okay. anywhere in the world. Wow. So like free to Germany, free to England, free. So there's some great deals going on on it and and all that. So I want the book in people's hands really badly. And then if folks want to see what else I'm up to, I just launched johnberardi.com, which johnberardi.com was a thing 20 years ago. Back in our day, man. (laughs) That's right. But I just relaunched it and it just sort of has all the different things that I've done and what I've been up to lately. So if people want to jump off from there, they can just come visit me at johnberardi.com. I love it, man. Well, I'll make sure I get all of those links in the show notes. And again, man, so great catching up with you today. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you and the listeners. Anyone who's hung in with us all this time, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I hope you got something out of it today. (laughs) All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with John. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please take a minute, share it on the gram with your friends, with family members, anybody that you think would benefit from hearing John's message, I would truly appreciate it. And with that being said, 200 episodes, my friend, I can't thank you enough. This show would not be where it is today without people like you. So thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.